The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. All right. Last day of camp. Boo. Terrible. 24 hours from now, y'all are going to hop on buses and go back home. And that's, that's no good. But, you know, it is exciting for us when you guys go home. That sounded bad. It is exciting for us when y'all go home because, man, think about the difference that this many people could make in your communities. That's, that's huge. Man, so we're praying that you guys go back as light in the dark because we know that, you know, as Bible Belt, um, as the areas are that you guys are from, man, there's dark places, there's dark families, there's, there's needs everywhere, man. So, you know, tomorrow when you guys head out in 24 hours, you know, it's bittersweet because, you know, we like you guys, we want y'all to stick around, but we also are like, we like you so much that we want you to go back and make a difference. We want you to go back and be a light in Mississippi or Georgia or Florida or wherever you're from, man. We, we, we want you to do that. And so the potential that's in this room to make a difference is huge. Um, so this morning we're going to be talking about that a little bit, about the potential to make a difference uh, as far as it goes with the unreached and missions. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us and we'll jump right in. Jesus, thanks for these guys and girls that are in here. Thank you for a good week of camp. I thank you that, Lord, you brought people from death to life this week. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, please guide us as we talk today. God, I pray that you would call many to uh, the darkest corners of the earth, uh, that they'd be a light right where they're at, God, and that you would cause them to be a light uh, in the darkest corners one day and that you'd help them to prep for that even now. Lord Jesus, we love you, and please help us. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm from Columbus, Georgia, originally, and... um, I lived there until I went to college. I went to college in Virginia, and then I've lived here uh, for 18 years, a long time. So I've basically lived in the Bible Belt all of my life. It's fantastic. Um, So, man, if y'all are from the South, which most of you guys are, you know there's a church everywhere. We have, in Andrews, we have two churches that share a parking lot. There are churches everywhere you could in in downtown andrews you could stand and literally throw a rock and hit four different churches from one spot with a decent arm like there's churches everywhere and so for me i was 29 years old before i realized there were people that didn't know the gospel like had never heard the gospel had never had access like it blew my mind. I'm sure people had told me this when I was y'all's age, but it never really sunk in because I saw churches everywhere. It like the reality that people were out there that may want to hear about Jesus and never have heard like the message hasn't even reached their people. It was mind blowing to me and it was heartbreaking to me because the reality is Facebook has reached the nations. Coke has reached the nations the gospel has not yet. Facebook is places where the gospel is not, which is insane. So, man, so we really, 
you know, Snowbird's always been really involved in missions, and we've ramped that up. And some of you guys have been involved with this with us, you know, where we've raised money for um, to buy a truck for a church planner. We've raised money for church planner training. So me and my wife went over to India uh, this past year, and we're part of that uh, two-month church planner training over there. It was the most thrilling week of my life. I mean, it's just awesome getting to, to teach these guys how to teach the Bible. There's 12 believers in this otherwise completely unreached people group. And, uh, you know, th- three years ago there was one believer, and now there's 12, and we're teaching them how to teach the Bible. That's awesome. So what I wanted to do, I want to start out with a video. Uh, this is, I'd ask you don't, like, take pictures of this guy uh, or take videos of this video uh, because this kid lives in a people group that is all Muslim and is very intense. And if he's not wise with how he shares the gospel, he could get killed. Uh, what's crazy, the reason I want to show you this video is uh, he's 18. He's, he's like y'all's age. In fact, he's a real funny guy. And uh, I said, I said, hey, how old are you? And he said, uh, 16. And I said, what year were you born? And he told me, I was like, nah, man, you're, you're 18. And he was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, no clue. But, okay, so this kid, he has been a believer for six months. That is all. But it's awesome, man. The Lord called him out of Islam and called him into Christianity, called him to himself. Fantastic. He met this other guy who's a part of that small group. So I want to show you a video of this guy. And basically what you got, I'm holding the phone here. So this is like in March. This isn't some missionary video. This is me on my phone sitting on a roof with some guys in India. Now, keep in mind, this guy's y'all's age. He's a teenager. And just listen to the things he's saying. It's a, it's a longer video. It's like five minutes long. Uh, so we'll watch this, and then we'll talk about it. So enjoy. All right. Do y'all understand what he's saying? Yeah, it's awesome. He said, um, he said basically, all right, I've been a believer since, for six months. And I told my parents I was coming to this city just to spend the winter, but they do not know that I'm coming here to study the Bible. Uh, and, you know, he starts laughing in the middle. And he's like, yeah, for real, please pray, because if they kick us out of our house, like, I have no clue where we're going to go. I, I don't know where we're going to live. And that's a real concern for these guys. Like, we're talking to these guys. These are real guys, and they're saying things like, okay, so I just got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, so should I keep preaching it really hard and keep getting thrown in jail, or should I chill out a little bit, or what? Uh, another guy's like, yeah, I got beat up, so should I go back to those same guys, or should I, like, skirt around those guys and go to different ones? Because I, I see guys in the Bible getting beat up and thrown in jail, but should I try to avoid that, or what? That's questions we don't have to answer here. But those are questions that these guys are, are having to face. He's saying, to you, please pray that I won't go through a hard suffering, but I want to give my life for the gospel. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. And he knows that I'm sharing this video with you. The other day, he's sitting in the living room of some house, and his granddaddy and his grandmama and his uncles and stuff are in the house, and he FaceTimes me. He's like, oh, hello, Spencer. I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with my uncle. He does not like it. Okay. <laughs> like, All right, man. Do your thing. And, man, he, he's getting it done, man. He's sharing the gospel. He's being faithful. And you know what? No one is ever going to know his name but you. He's not going to be famous. He may never have a family. He might not have a long life, but his life will count. His life is going to matter. He is a light in the darkest place. He's been a believer for six months. If he can be a light in the dark, so can you.
If he can do it, so can you. His life is going to count. And what I, what I want to tell you guys in short today is, is just, man, whatever you got planned for your life, you need to dream bigger. You do. Man, you can count. You can be a light in dark places. You know, your life, man, it's, you've got this life. That's it. And it is going to be really easy to waste. And a lot of people do waste their lives. They waste their high school career. They waste their college career trying to point people towards themselves, trying to get famous for this and that, man. But their lives don't count for eternity. You know, a lot of kids have this dream. I read a stat that 48% of people in your generation believe they're going to be famous millionaires. I don't know if half of this room is going to be a famous millionaire, but if half of the people were famous, nobody would be famous. You know what I'm saying? Probably nobody in this room is going to the NBA. Sorry, man. I mean, I'm sorry. Probably no one in this room is going to win American Idol and be the next big thing. I'm sorry. It's just reality. But let's say that you did. Let's say that you did. Let's say that you finally made it, man. You got famous. You, you made it as the next singing sensation, as the next a basketball sensation. So what? People know your name for a while and you die? You buy bigger houses than you would have if you were a, an insurance broker? Man, who cares? You, you don't want to get to the end of your life and be like, well, I paid all my bills on time. Man, I, I had a mortgage. There was my house. It's 30 years older now than when I bought it. I had some kids. They won some awards in their school. The end? Man, whatever you got planned for your life, man, y'all need to dream bigger. You need to dream bigger because you can be a part of an eternal difference in people's lives. Because there are people that do not know Jesus. Because there's not going to be missions in heaven because there's not going to be any lost people there. This is your one shot. This is it. How many years do you get on life? And nobody knows. You might be halfway done. You might be more than halfway done. You might be less than. You might have 60 years left to make a difference. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life that's going to matter 100 years from now? 300, 1,200 years from now, what are you doing that's going to matter? And here's the thing. This is a missions breakout. And so we're going we're gonna to ask you to go to the dark places, to the hard places, because all the easy beaches have been reached with the gospel. You know, all the beaches in Jamaica, all the beaches in Miami, everything's been reached that's easy. The only people that are left are the really hard ones to reach. Maybe it's political, they're hard to reach because they're angry people. Maybe it's religious, they're hard to reach because they're anti-Christian. Maybe it's just geographic, like they're hard to reach because they're in a difficult place like the Himalayas. Or the jungle, hard places to live. I'll show this on, on the board. Are there lost people in America? You can answer. Are there lost people in America? Heck yeah, you got lost people in your family. You got lost people in your school, right? There are lost people here right now that need the gospel. In this town with 12 churches, there are lost people that need Jesus today right here. We're not talking about lost people. We're talking about unreached people. People who, if they wanted to know about Jesus, they don't have an avenue to find out. There's no church on the corner. There's no radio broadcast. There's no Bible in their language. This is uh, just a basic map. The green is where the gospel is. The red is where the gospel is not. Look at where we live. Filled with green. 
filled with the gospel, filled with churches. Not filled with saved people, but filled with access to the gospel. Now look over here. North Africa, the Middle East, India. Man, they don't know. They don't know Jesus. They don't have access to the gospel. So we live in a land that's flooded with light. We should take that light to the dark. This is the dark area. So even if you're just to ask a a, a five-year-old this, hey, the gospel's over here, it's not here. Where should you go with the gospel? They would say, oh, we should go to the red places. Absolutely we should. We must. We have to. We should go there. You should go there. We should go to the lost. Now, sharing the gospel in America is crucial. Sharing the gospel in your school, sharing the gospel in Georgia, in Alabama, that is crucial. But, man, there's, there's people that have no access, no access at all. I know that I'm not going to throw a bunch of stats at you because, man, some of the big numbers are hard to even fathom. We start talking about millions and billions of people. You know, <coughs> you know 42% of the world live in groups that are less than 2% Christian. 42% of the world. That's crazy. But basically, almost 10 times the population of the U.S. lives in a group that's unreached. Lives in a group that's less than 2% Christian. That's crazy. Because the U.S., you know, we think about, man, we're a superpower of the world. Absolutely. But, you know, our population is only about 4% of the world. That's eye-opening. And we've got the light, but there, there stands the dark. You know, again, when I was 29, I thought everybody had access to Jesus. And just these people over here are saying no. That's not the case. It's not that these people over here, most of them, it's not that these people have heard and rejected. It's that they've never heard. If you were to walk in these places and say, do you know Jesus? They would say, who? Where does he live? Like, they don't know Jesus or the God of the Bible. It's, it's crazy. Billions haven't heard. And what about those who've never heard? What happens? We've taught breakouts on this topic specifically. What about people who've never heard the gospel? What happens to them when they die? The sad and, and terrifying reality is if people do not know Jesus, when they die, they go to hell. Even if they've never heard the gospel, they, when they die, they go to hell. And you look at John three sixteen. Everybody knows this verse, right? <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Great. That's great news. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Pause. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Look. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love the dark rather than the light because their works were evil. What does it say? Jesus didn't come into the world to say, all right, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned. He came into the world to save people because they're already condemned. Those people that don't know Jesus, they're not neutral. They're not innocent somewhere. They are already condemned and we have to bring the light to them. They don't even know that they stand condemned, most of them. They stand condemned. They've never heard the hope. And what's crazy is when you start thinking about the rate at which people are dying. We put a chart up on the board. Just look at the middle. It's hard to fathom these numbers, so we tried to put it down. I, I used this chart last year. Um, 
Every year, 55.5 million people die. That's a hard number to fathom, so we brought it down to month. Every month, 4.6 million people die. That's about the population of Alabama. So every month on the globe, about the population of Alabama walks off. So June. Um, So that means every day, today, 151,000 people will die on Friday while we're mountain biking. That means every hour, 6,319 people will die. That means... From when I started this breakout to when you start lunch, 6,000 people will breathe their last breath. Every minute, 105 people. I've been preaching for 22 of those. 2,200 people dead since I started? That's crazy. They're going quick every second. Almost two people per second are dying. There's two more, two more, two more, two more. And the reality is most of them don't know Jesus. And they're going to hell. And when you read about hell, y'all, it's terrifying. That's something we do not like to talk about. We do not like to preach about. We do not like to think about. But if we could talk about it and think about it and preach about it, we would be a lot more motivated to go with the gospel. Because it's terrifying and real people are going there. They stand condemned already. Man, it was crazy to me walking around in India and I'd walk around there, people, I have no clue what their language is, what their story is, but I know the area I'm at, I know all the Christians in this area. And I think, oh, no. Like, this, all, the, all these people are probably going to hell. All those, all this crowd is, and it would, I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't sleep. And those people are still over there, even though I'm here in this land flooded with light where I can throw rocks at four different churches. Those people are still there even though you got basketball practice today. They're still over there. They're still dying at that rate, man. And that should, that should bother you. That should keep you up at night. I've, I've begged God to keep that thought in my mind and in my emotions. I could tell you a lot more stats about the unreached. But in reality, if you don't feel the weight that people without Jesus are condemned and going to hell right now, you're not going to be motivated to go. When we go, <coughs> I asked one of our missionaries, uh, his name's Bobby, he's in Africa. And I said, all right, man, I get, to, I get to talk to students on Fridays about missions. What should I tell them? You, you've been doing this thing for like 10 years overseas. What should I tell them? And he said, well, tell them that it's really hard over here. It's like living in a cheese grater. You know, just like the weather, <laughs> the culture, <laughs> the people, <laughs> the work. He's like, tell them it's really hard, so they better be motivated by the scripture. They better be anchored in the scripture. They better be rooted and strong. And man, Christ has commanded me to go. They need to be tethered to the scripture. Because it's going to be hard days. Some of y'all are going to go to the mission field. Statistically, it's going to be very few. It's going to be one. Maybe two of you are going to go. I I pray that it's many more. But you're going to need to, to be tethered to the scripture on that hard day when you wake up in Africa and you're like, this stinks. But I don't want to be here. You're going to need to be tethered into the scripture hard. So when we go, we take the message of reconciliation, the message of here's how you get right with God. We don't go just to give clean water. We don't go just to alleviate poverty or alleviate suffering. We do those things, but we have to be sharing the gospel. We are concerned with suffering, but especially we're concerned with eternal suffering. So we go not just with... um, humanitarian projects, we go with the gospel, with the message of the gospel. That's the primary way we can show love to others. 
We mimic what Jesus did when he said the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You remember what Rob talked about this morning? The three parables, going and searching, searching, searching. This is his mission, to seek and save the lost. When we share, man, we always preach Christ. And we're going to talk about what we preach here in a minute. All right. So y'all know the big passage about the, the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28. We're going to put it on the board. Everybody's read this. Everybody's got this up on some bulletin board in their church probably by their missionaries' pictures. Um, but this is, the, this is the Great Commission where we've been told, man, y'all need to go. You need to go. You need to go. So I want to look at the first aspect of this. I'll read it first. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. I love this passage. And it's really detailed. And we don't have time to dig into it all. Although, you know, you should, you should take comfort in the last phrase where he's like, Hey, look, behold, I am with you. What was that? Everybody all right? He says, I am with you always until the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. But the way he starts this deal is he says something strange. We always skip over the first part where he says, we go straight to the go. But right after the go, he says, therefore. Y'all been to English class. You know what this means, right? What's the therefore mean? You got to ask, what's, what's it there for, right? What's he saying? He says, go therefore, which means go in light of what I just said. In light of what I just said, you got to go. You need to go. In light of what he just said, what did he just say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why in the world would he say that? Jesus says, I have authority over everything, so you need to go. I want to look at two things real quick. Two things that Jesus is talking about when he says all authority has been given to me. The first thing is Jesus has authority over everything. He commands the wind. He commands the waves. When soldiers come to arrest him, he says, not today. When death wants to keep him, he says, not today. He has power and command over all things. So you and I, we don't have the authority over our own lives. He does. We don't have the authority to not preach the gospel. Jesus has commanded us to go. He said, all authority is given to me, so you go. We don't have the authority to say, no, I don't. When we signed up to follow Jesus, we were following a person. Our calling is to a person. So when you ask yourself, all right, is it me? Should I go to Africa? Should I go to India? You have to do something to fulfill this command. You need to be sharing the gospel where you're at. You need to be involved in missions, whether you're giving money or whether you're going. But you must pray about how you fit into this. You don't have the authority to just breeze over this command and say, somebody else is going to do it. What if somebody else is also saying, somebody else is going to do it. Here's the reality. For the most part, the unreached of the world are not going to come to your church. You have to go to them. Now, God is bringing the unreached to global cities, even in America, like Atlanta, which is fantastic. But for the most part, you're in Macon, Georgia, you're, you're in Perry, Florida. Man, the unreached are not coming to your church. You got to leave and go and plant yourself somewhere else and stay there long enough to overcome cultural hurdles to reach these people with the gospel. 
Should you go? You, you have to do something with this command. You don't have the authority not to. Second thing is, when he says, all authority is mine, the good thing is we don't go on our own authority. Because think about how intimidating it is if someone were to say, all right, man, so I want you to go to this culture. They don't know anything about Jesus. But what you need to do is you need to go and tell them, hey, everything you believe is wrong. And everything your dad taught you, it's wrong. And everything your granddaddy worshipped, that's wrong. Everything your culture's built on, wrong. All your morality, that's, that's wrong too. And all these other cultures of the world, they also have it wrong. But I've got the one answer. Now the world's going to say, what arrogance. You know, you say you got the right answer. Well, that would be arrogant if you made this religion up and went on your own authority. But you don't go on your own authority. You go... On Christ's authority, he made all things. He, he holds all things together, right? God made the heavens and the earth. This is what you tell people. And all people, and he has a plan to buy back all people to him through the blood of his son. He holds everything together. He keeps you breathing. And he sent me to tell you his message. I don't come on my authority. I come on the authority of Christ. All authority is Christ, so I can tell you what he has planned for your life. It's good. All authority is Christ. So you go and teach them everything that God's commanded you to do. What are you supposed to share? What are you supposed to share? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. When Brody stands up and talks tonight, he's going to be talking about, here's how you share the gospel. Here are the core things that you need to share. Because 2 Corinthians says, we've been entrusted with a message. The message of how to be right with God. The message of reconciliation. It even says that God is making his appeal through you. Like you're his messenger in Mississippi or Florida or Alabama, wherever you're from. You're his representative. You're his ambassador. You're his, you're his messenger. And you're supposed to hold forth the message of reconciliation. If you don't know how to share the gospel, if you don't know the message you're supposed to share, you need to learn it. You need to practice it. So let me give you four things that you can do now, and we'll close. Four things. I'm going to be quick. Four things that you can do right now, because some of y'all are like, yeah, man, I want to go over there to the red spots, but I am 14. What can I do? What can I do right now? I'll give you four things that you can do right now, all right? The first thing is share the gospel right now. If you are not sharing the gospel right now, you won't overseas. If you're not sharing the gospel right now, because think about what you got going on right now. You know the people. You know the language. You know the culture. You have friendships. You know the people, the language, the culture, the friendships. You know what people in your culture joke about. You know where people go. You got relationships all built. There are zero roadblocks in your way. But you go to another culture. Well, now you don't know their language. You don't get their jokes. You don't know their their culture. You don't know their language. You don't have relationships, probably because you don't even speak their language. How are you going to overcome those roadblocks to share the gospel when you're not sharing with zero roadblocks right now? You know what I'm saying? It's only green lights right now. It's a lot of hurdles to overcome over there. So if you're not sharing right now where the sharing is easy, how are you going to share over there where the sharing's hard? What can you do right now? You can practice. You can be sharing the gospel right now with your lost friends. You need to be sharing the gospel right now with your lost friends. This is keeping a lot of people off the mission field. 
or the people that go are being ineffective a lot of times. Uh, some missions organizations, when you go, they say, yeah, great, you want to go. You want to go to Africa. Great. You want to go there and share the gospel. Great. Tell me the last time you want somebody to the Lord. Tell me the last time you shared the gospel. And if your answer is, uh, they're going to say, hey, man, thanks for talking. Go get you another job. This is keeping people off the mission field. How are you going to share the gospel there if you're not sharing the gospel here? So let's go to the second one. I need to hurry. Man, take a little courage and do it, uh, though, on sharing the gospel. It's going to be awkward for sure. It is. But that's all right. Everybody's awkward anyway, right? Everybody's awkward in their own way. You know you are. Deep down, you're like, ah, shoot. Yeah, you are. Everybody's awkward in their own way. So just embrace some awkwardness. Sometimes, man, those conversations are like, all right, here we go. I'm going to share the gospel. Hey, man. Shoot. Hey, man, you know, about, uh, um, what do you think about Jesus? Hey, gummit. And somebody would be like, dude, you're weird. I know, thank you. <laughs> okay, just embrace some awkwardness because you're going to get better at it. You're going to have to practice at it to be better. All right, first thing, what can you do to prepare to go to the mission field? You can share the gospel. Second thing is, you can be holy now. Be holy. You hear a lot of people say, man, there's... Okay, when I teach this breakout, it's always like 70% girls, like today. And people say, man, there's no men on the mission field. Well, we talked to one missions organization, and they said, "Nah, there's plenty of men that are applying for missions. They're just all addicted to porn, so we tell them no. What can you do right now? Man, you can be holy. If you're not holy here, you're not going to, the plane ride's not going to turn you into a magic Christian. You need to be holy. Be fighting against sin here. Number three, what else can you do? You can love Jesus. What I mean by this is you can be growing. Because the goal over there is make disciples of all people. Teach them how to follow Christ. What you're doing is you're inviting them to follow you and act like you. If you're not acting like Christ right now, you're going to invite them into something else? Every animal on earth reproduces after their own kind, right? Horses have horses. Snakes have snakes. Humans have humans. So to make disciples, you must be disciples, you got to be a disciple to make a disciple. Love Jesus. Be growing. What can you do? Last thing, number four, is you can stoke the fire, man. Whatever you have to do to keep the idea of the unreached, of the condemned, of those that are going to hell at an alarming rate, whatever you have to do to keep that in front of you, do it. You need a poster in your room. You need to subscribe to a magazine. You need to read articles on missions. You need to have articles sent to your phone. You need to go to websites like Joshua Project or whatever to keep that in front of you. Do it. Now, there's a lot of other strategic things you can do. Last year, Rob taught a breakout about all the strategy you can do about partnering with a sending organization and partnering with your church. Those are great things to do. But what I'm saying is, in my opinion, 90% of missions is being a faithful Christian. And then 10% is learning a new language, learning a new culture, and overcoming roadblocks. 90% is being faithful and obedient. 10% then is overcoming, overcoming roadblocks. We've asked the question so many times, man, how do we get more people to go? How do we at Snowbird, we have such a resource, we have... 480 kids here this week. How do we get more than two of them to go to the mission field? Well, we can't do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that. But we can 
Tell them that people stand condemned. And if they feel that deep in their souls, if they feel the weight of those that stand condemned, maybe they'll go. If they feel that and they're truly pursuing Christ, they'll put the two things together and they'll go. They don't need more stats. They need to get passionate about the Lord and burdened for the lost. They need to keep that in front of them. They don't need to, you know, so many times you, you hear something in a message and you're like, whew, that's convicting. I need to do that. And then, oh, time for lunch. Change subjects in my mind. Good to go. And you remember vaguely back to, oh, yeah, the missions, missions thing. I remember that. I mean, whatever you got to do to keep this in front of you. Put a map up in your room. Whatever you got to do. You get passionate about the Lord now. You be fighting sin now. You be sharing Jesus with others now. You be making disciples now. And then one day, take that to the dark places. You'll take it to the dark places with such momentum built up. You'll already be successful in your own culture in sharing the gospel, pursuing the Lord, and then just take that lifestyle to Africa. Take that lifestyle to India, and you'll overcome the 10% of hurdles that are keeping people there. Think of what you've been given. Think about the church you're involved in. You're at a Christian camp right now. God give his left arm to be a part of a Christian camp right now. Man, if he can do it in a culture that wants to cut his head off, you can do it in Georgia. You can. You can be a light in a dark place right now. And then in the future, you can be a light shining brighter because the darkness is darker. You can do it. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for these guys and girls. I do pray that you would call many to go. I pray that the weight of those that stand condemned would be right in front of me today. I pray that you would motivate me personally to share the gospel where I'm at. I pray that you motivate these guys to do so as well. And that one day you would let them be so burdened that they would take this to the nations. Whether they take this message to the nations by giving with their money or by going with their, with their lives. God, I pray that you, would, uh, that you would help us all to look back at your authoritative command, and and God, that we would be obedient to that, however that may look for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.